Welcome to Exhibition, and Xbox podcast, episode number 71. My name is Samuel Adams, and on today's show, we are talking about the future of cloud gaming in a world where Google Stadia is no longer around, because that's what's going to be happening in 2023. Google officially announced they are winding down the service, so let's talk about what that looks like for Xbox cloud gaming as they look to expand their offering and build it out in the world of Xbox. But on top of that, Cyberpunk is continuing to sell very well thanks to the success of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. We also have a new Xbox controller on the way and some new games with gold, which are incredibly underwhelming. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Google is officially killing off Google Stadia. I know, if this is your first time hearing this information, please take a few moments, console yourself, regroup. I know this is a lot to take in, and it's totally out of nowhere. Uh, I kid, this is something we've seen coming for quite some time. Uh, But while I might be kidding about the situation, I do want to recognize that developers have put tons of time into porting their games over to Stadia. Some made exclusive games for Stadia. Many players do enjoy Stadia to this day. There is a dedicated core fan base that adores the platform that Google has created. But unfortunately... For the teams behind the scenes working to make this experience possible, for the players that have supported for the past few years, uh, this is not going to be an offering from Google any longer, starting on January the 18th of 2023. Phil Harrison, the VP and General Manager of Stadia, wrote up a big blog post talking about why they are making this move, and he writes, While Stadia's approach to streaming games for consumers was built on a strong technology foundation, it has not gained the traction with users that we expected, so we have made the difficult decision to begin winding down our Stadia streaming service. We are grateful to the dedicated Stadia players that have been with us from the start. We will be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google Store and all game and add-on purchases made through the Stadia Store. Players will continue to have access to their game's library and play through January 18th, 2023, so they can complete final play sessions. We expect to have the majority of refunds completed by mid-January 2023. We have more details for players on this process in our Help Center. Phil Harrison then goes on to talk more about YouTube and AR and a whole bunch of other stuff that is irrelevant to the world of gaming uh, rather than content creation, which in this blog, he seems to kind of blend the two together, which I would argue are two very different topics. Uh, Also, as a side note, Phil Harrison, the VP and general manager of Stadia, was previously uh, the head of Xbox. Quick pause in the podcast. I wanted to say that Phil Harrison is actually a former VP at Microsoft who was heavily involved in the European side of Xbox, but he is primarily blamed for how the Xbox One was handled at the beginning of the generation. Anyways, continue. And he drove the Xbox One generation into the ground to the point that the brand almost died at the beginning of the Xbox One. So, that's who's been running Stadia. This is all beginning to add up, at least it did for me. First and foremost, from the consumer approach, wonderful way to do this. 
You are not going to leave people that have been playing out to dry. You are giving their money back for anything purchased through the Google Store, uh, which I think is great. Now, of course, anybody who purchased a Stadia pack through Best Buy, a third party, they're probably out of luck on that one. But it is good that Google is giving back everyone uh, their money who have purchased games on Stadia, who have supported the service so far, because it would suck if you spent all of that money on streaming, digital uh, keys and whatnot, and you no longer were able to enjoy any of that, and all of that money was irrelevant. So that is good on their side. On the developer side, that's where things started to get a little bit fishy because developers began to tank to Twitter to share that the official announcement from Google was the first time they had heard Google Stadia was shutting down. And this is coming from developers who allege they had games releasing this week, who had signed publishing agreements this week. That is not how you treat people. There are developers that have been pouring dozens, hundreds potentially of hours into bringing their games over to Google Stadia and continuing to support it that did not know this was happening. Very bad look there. Another interesting tidbit is that uh, IO Interactive, uh, the team behind Hitman, had put out a reactive statement saying they are looking into bringing uh, players that are playing Hitman on Stadia over to another platform. They are looking for a way to honor those keys and honor that access. Ubisoft had a similar reactive statement there. When you have major publishers that are putting out reactive statements after Google's announcement, it seems like this is something that was not communicated whatsoever. To any parties. And I said it in a video earlier this week. I would not be shocked if the team at Google Stadia that was handling partnerships did not know that this was happening until this week. This is being very poorly handled, in my opinion. From an outsider's perspective looking in, it was handled well on the consumer side by just saying give everyone their money back, but on the back end, with the team, with the partnerships, not a good look whatsoever. So that's the situation as it stands right now. Over the next few months, I'm sure that Google Stadia will continue to decline in popularity. People will begin getting refunds at the beginning of 2023, and Stadia is going to be nothing but a memory, probably by Q2 of 2023. But let's talk about the future of cloud gaming in a world where Google Stadia doesn't exist. Because while Google Stadia may have been uh, the butt of a lot of jokes in the industry... It was still a very solid cloud gaming experience. I played a couple of games on it, mainly the free trials. I never bought anything on Stadia, but it was a solid way to play games. I would not put it on par with a console experience or a PC experience, but when it comes to playing on any device, no matter where you are, it was pretty much on par, if not a little bit better than Xbox Cloud Gaming. Now, this is my take on it from a couple of years ago, but I think the big takeaway is that Google was ahead of the game, and releasing a cloud-only gaming platform wasn't something that was viable in 2019, and it certainly still is not viable in 2022. What I think we've learned here is that while cloud gaming is a part of the future of gaming, no matter how you cut it, the question is how big of a part of the future is it right now, and will that continue to evolve? Xbox is taking a different approach, where cloud gaming is more of an accessory to the main experience. Cloud gaming is something of a perk that you get for free with your Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription, where you can jump on, you can play your games from anywhere, uh, but that's not the core experience. Imagine trying to play competitive Halo 
in a cloud environment 24-7. That is horrendous. No one would want to play that because there is still a little bit of input lag. The infrastructure, the back end, the tool itself is not up to par with that one-to-one input that we get from a PC, that we get from a console. And so with Xbox Cloud Gaming being shown off as a way to play your games on the go, to play your games on a second screen in your household while the main screen is busy, that is giving you a different value proposition where you say, hey, you get the main course, but then you get this side item that you might enjoy. You get the hamburger on the middle of the plate with the Xbox Series X, and then you get a side of fries, which is the Xbox Cloud Gaming. That's a much better way to pitch this right now, especially since a lot of people don't have access to the internet infrastructure that is required to run this thing. Uh, I think it's getting better, but especially as you get towards the middle of the country, the more rural areas, there are fewer people that have internet internet that can successfully support such a great way to play games online. It just isn't going to be there for the people that may not have internet access or that have intermittent internet access, uh, which again, these people are becoming fewer and far between, but it is something that should still be considered when we're talking about the popularity and the long-term success of cloud gaming. Another interesting fact, uh, or another interesting perspective, I should say, that I saw floating around online is how will Google Stadia shutting down impact Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard and the conversations that are had around that. Uh, Because right now, Sony and Jim Ryan specifically are going very hard to try and make this deal not happen. Uh, I think that Sony is very concerned about the fact that Call of Duty is potentially in a few years not going to be on PlayStation. That is a big fear of theirs. And they are actively working to ensure that regulators do not approve this acquisition of Activision Blizzard. New reports, as soon as the morning of this podcast recording, suggest that Jim Ryan flew to the EU to confront regulators last month to talk about why the Microsoft deal is bad for the business. Incredible stuff there. But all of that drama aside, Google Stadia shutting down could give Google the ammo to say one of the factors in us shutting down was Microsoft being so successful in cloud gaming. And now that they have the Activision Blizzard deal coming, we did not foresee it uh, to be in our best interest to continue this service, to continue supporting this because Microsoft is just smearing the competition. Whether they are, whether they aren't, that is a factor that regulators could take into their decision to approve or deny this merger, this acquisition, whatever you want to call it. So that is going to be a tangential part of the conversation that is brought in more frequently, if I had to guess, in the months ahead. Uh, But Microsoft has also applied to have this deal approved or for them to move into the second phase of investigations by November the 8th. So uh, we have about a month or so until we learn more about what is going on with that deal, what the EU is going to be doing as far as regulating it and uh, digging deeper into the details. But for the Google Stadia fans out there, I want to assure you that cloud gaming is not going anywhere. It is going to be there for a while. Google just did not implement it well, and of course, Google has a rich history of shutting down services very quickly on the fly, uh, from their social media platform all the way now to Google Stadia and so many other projects along the way. Uh, They are very much so an innovative think tank, I think is the best way to describe it. I know I said thank tank. That is the NC North Carolinian coming out in me. Uh, But they are more of an innovative, experimental kind of group when it comes to building out new tools, building out new experiences, new platforms. But 
their long-term approach certainly needs work. They don't have the chops to invest and really go all in on every project that they do. They have the money, they just don't have the patience. So that's the situation with Google Stadia. And again, that's one less competitor in the cloud gaming space, but GeForce Now from NVIDIA, PlayStation Now, which is now baked into PlayStation Plus, and Xbox Cloud Gaming, which is baked into Ultimate, are your three major competitors in the world of cloud. This next story came out of left field for me, but People Can Fly is no longer going to be partnering with Take-Two Interactive on their next project, known as Project Dagger. A couple of details are shared in this official press release, such as the fact that this new action-adventure IP that has been in development for the last two years has been under the direction of People Can Fly's team based in New York. The publisher has also not declared the intention to exercise its option to buy out the IP rights to the products placed under this agreement, so People Can Fly retains those intellectual property rights so they can continue self-publishing their game. Sebastian Wojcikowski, the CEO of People Can Fly, said, quote, I assume we will part on good terms, and I don't see reasons why we couldn't work with Take-Two on some other project in the future. We strongly believe in the Project Dagger's potential and are now committed to continue its development within our self-publishing pipeline. The game is still in pre-production. Our team is now focusing on closing combat and game loops and migrating from UE4 to UE5. I'm conscious that this decision will add investments on us, but self-publishing is part of our strategy. Of course, we are not ruling out working with a new publisher if this creates a compelling business opportunity. Really weird scenario here, which makes me question why Take-Two is pulling out. Uh, It could just be a financial investment choice, or there could be a problem with the project itself. But looking back, Outriders was a game that had a lot of promise and still has a pretty strong following to this day, but it was not the Destiny killer that I think it was kind of marketed as. I don't think anybody would argue uh, that that was the case. Nonetheless... I'm excited to see what People Can Fly does put out because thinking back to Bulletstorm, I know it's the iconic People Can Fly game that a ton of people think of, uh, but it was a very solid game. It was a great experience. And Outriders was nothing to shake a stick at either. It's one that I still think about going back to from time to time, and its expansion uh, was certainly worth people's time if you did want to check that out. Uh, So, People Can Fly again, no longer working with Take-Two. We'll see what the future holds, but if I had to guess, this is probably going to bump that project back by at least a couple of years. Although, again, it's in pre-production, so probably would have been a while anyway. This next story is more of a public service announcement. Cyberpunk 2077 has hit 20 million copies sold since its launch back in 2020. This is up 2 million copies from earlier this year, whenever the number 18 million was announced in April. I would argue that the majority of those would have happened within the past month or so because there was a big sale on Cyberpunk where it was knocked down to $30 alongside the release of Cyberpunk Edgerunners on Netflix, which is a new anime by Studio Trigger, who is known for some phenomenal animations. And I can't confirm. It is great. I've been watching it with my girlfriend. We've been really enjoying it. Phenomenal story all around. Definitely recommend you dive in and check that out if you do have a Netflix subscription. I think this, though is a perfect example of another No Man's Sky style situation, where is the game perfect? No. But since it released back in 2020, CD Projekt Red has continually worked on releasing updates and getting it up to par. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, though, this game should have launched now. This game should have launched in 2022. If it had launched in the state that it is in today alongside potentially Cyberpunk Edge Runners, I think we'd be having a very different conversation. And within the next couple of years, 
Who knows how many seasons of Edge Runners there could be if that had happened. Uh, and again, if the game had launched in a wonderful state, we could have been looking at 50 million in one year. Who knows uh, what could have been hit? Maybe that's a little bit uh, self-congratulatory or, or, or a little bit um, too ambitious on my part to say 50 million. But nonetheless, Cyberpunk could have done much better than it did had it launched in a better state. That's just a simple fact. Right now, though, if you do want to dive back in, you can still find copies that are incredibly cheap from time to time at GameStop. Best Buy also had a deal of the day a couple of weeks ago where it was $9.99. Uh, I think I picked up my copy for about 14 bucks a few months ago whenever the next generation update dropped, but I have not gone back to it. In the past couple of weeks, I've been playing Deathloop, I've been playing Moonscars, I've been grinding Halo Infinite, as I tend to do, uh, and there have been a couple of other games along the way that have launched that I've wanted to check out, so maybe it's time for me to finally go back. Maybe it's time for me to check it out. Uh, the anime is certainly getting me in the mood, so this week, uh, this week might be the week. Xbox is going to be removing Quick Resume from the Series X and S. That's what a clickbait title would have said if they were talking about this topic. Just kidding. Gotcha, didn't I? Uh, Phil Spencer has replied to a fan on Twitter who said, I still don't understand how Quick Resume is not a feature you can disable. It's amazing for a lot of games, but when it tries to Quick Resume an online-only game, it absolutely breaks it and you have to manually quit. If only an option to disable it for such games existed. Phil Spencer then replied and said, good feature ask makes sense. We'll put it on the list of things to look at. This would be a wonderful addition to the options uh, that Xbox gives players because this is something that impacts me every single week. When I log into Halo Infinite, it connects to the server, it pulls fresh challenges, I play in games, then it sends that data back, updates my challenges, that's how the game works. When I use Quick Resume and I shut down my console, when I boot back up, the server has disconnected from that, uh, it jacks up all of my challenge data, it just doesn't work and I have to restart. Being able to disable Quick Resume for Halo Infinite, Call of Duty, etc. inherently would make my life just a little bit easier. Again, right now, it's a simple 10-second process of closing games out and booting them back up, but if we're talking about making the most fluid experience possible, that would be it. So it's nice to see that this is certainly on the team's radar. The question is, when and will it arrive? Uh, I think this could be something that comes in the months ahead, but only time will tell. To round out today's show, we have two stories to dig into. First and foremost, the Mineral Camo Special Edition controller is available now. This is the fourth edition to the camo lineup, and it's got a nice aqua blue kind of touch to it. I'm a big fan of the way that this one looks, but of course, this comes with all of your bells and whistles, the share button, uh, the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, and there is a universal quick charging stand for the Xbox that matches this if you do want to pick that one up as well, and you can get this one for six. $69.99 for the controller itself or the uh, charging stand for $49.99 if you want to pick that up. I love the Xbox options that are out there for controllers. Of course, PlayStation has some options as well. Nintendo has plenty of special edition Joy-Cons, but Microsoft really does a great job of diversifying their lineup and giving players the choice of what they want and how they want it to look. Really cool there, and of course the backward compatibility and the forward compatibility with the Xbox Series X and S and the Xbox One controllers, that's all really good stuff there as well. Uh, out of all of the camo lineups though, I do think that the Night Ops camo is the one that I like the most, and I am in the market for a new controller. My 20th anniversary controller is starting to feel a little loose, so I might be picking one of these up sooner rather than later. Cool stuff there. 
And finally, we have new games with gold for you for the month of October 2022. Now, this is a special month for games with gold because it's the first month that we only have two games in the lineup since Xbox 360 games are no longer included. Of course, if you missed the news, Microsoft ran out of Xbox 360 games to give us, so now they are turning to Xbox One games alone. We have Windbound and Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition. Windbound is available from October 1st to the 31st, and Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition is available October the 16th to November the 15th. I'm at the point with Games with Gold, and I know I go on this rant every time they release new games. Just don't publicize it. Don't talk about it. It's a bad look. These games, especially Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition, why are we bringing that up in a world where Deathloop just hit Game Pass? Just release these as small little editions and let them blow into the wind. Don't publicize these things. Uh, I am of the mindset that Games with Gold absolutely needs to be folded into Game Pass. Make the leap. Make that extra push. It's time. Because this is the redheaded stepchild of the Xbox lineup. Game Pass consoles, great. Game Pass PC, heavily improved over the past year. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, big deal there. That is the uh, main course, if you will, of the Xbox offering. And then you have gold just sitting over in a corner. Just get rid of it. There's no need for that anymore. My two cents on that. But if you do want to pick these up, Windbound and Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition are yours to have in the month of October and half of November for the latter uh, for anybody who has Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox Live Gold. But that rounds out this week's episode of Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. If you enjoy the show, you like what you see or what you hear, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Add the show to your podcast feed of choice. Follow me on TikTok if you want. Jam Pack Sam is what you look for. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. I'll talk to you soon and keep on playing.